Welcome to another episode of the Called Bang Podcast. Um, I'm Dale and we're with Nate. And even though the Jazz weren't playing, we had some good basketball games. Um, I hope you were all able to enjoy it as basketball fans, even though we really wanted to see the Jazz go up against the Clippers. Um, the Nuggets put up an, a good fight last night and they are still in the series. Maybe we'll see them come back from 3-1 again. And the Boston Celtics beat the Toronto Raptors in what turned out to be a really awesome defensive game. Uh, if you really want to see defensive effort, watch the Boston Celtics in the past, in the last like quarter and a half. Uh, that was awesome. But So we're getting pretty close to seeing what both conference finals are going to be like. The Eastern Conference Finals are set up. And we have a good guess of what's going to happen out west, but uh, I don't know. The Nuggets or Rockets could surprise us. I mean, last night, the Denver game was just flashback to game five of when they played Utah. Clippers had it locked up. Clippers just kind of took their foot off the gas and Denver came back. So I think that with the talent and with the bench that the Clippers have, they're going to be able to do a much better job of locking in one of these next couple games. But I mean, crazier things have happened in the finals. So seeing well, in the playoffs, so seeing Denver come back from 3-1 again wouldn't be unheard of, but it would be, you know, something for the history books. I want to see Denver come back from 3-1, then do the same with the Lakers, and then do the same in the finals. And they just come back from 3-1 in every single series. I don't know if I want the Jazz to be on that side of history. You know, I, I'm all for good basketball, but I'm still definitely wanting the Clippers to beat the, to beat the Nuggets. And that's probably what's going to happen. Like like you said, they kind of let, let their foot off the gas. They weren't really as focused down the stretch as they should have been. But um, I don't know. it. When it comes to a closeout game, you, you really need to stay focused or else you get in a situation that the Jazz got themselves in. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Nuggets are just sneaky and lull teams into false confidence. This was their series plan. Get down 3-1 so they have the easiest chance of winning. You know, they're like, we need the motivation, so we'll win one of the first four. But then after that, we're just going to lose until game five, six, and seven, and we'll come back and win. We need the ticket sales. They just rest their stars, like not really resting them, just giving them less minutes. <laughs> so that for, for those last three games, they're fresh and they just go for it. I wonder how contracts are paid out during the playoffs. If they're paid out on a game-by-game -game basis or if they're paid out on a series basis. Since if they're paid up by a game-by-game -game basis, I mean, obviously while going to seven games like can hurt your chance of winning the next series, going to seven games would be a lot more profitable than just winning in four. That, that'd be interesting to look into. I, I know um, for playoffs, like how much you're paid during the season doesn't play a role in how much you're paid during the playoffs. So everyone just gets cut down to equal pay for the playoffs. I didn't know that. That's interesting. So LeBron is just as valuable as um, Marquise Morris. Yeah, so like, if, if your only concern is to make money, um, just go on a bad team, let them pay you as much money as you can, and don't play the playoffs because it's not going to be that big of a bonus for you. Well, when I'm waiting to sign my NBA contract, I will keep that in mind, Dale. Thank you for your pertinent information. <laughs> that will greatly impact my life. <laughs> yeah i'll I'll just be your agent and i'll be your agent because 
agents all they care about is some money, right? They they want that percentage. Hey, I mean, that's what people were saying about Jimmy Butler when he went down to Miami. But we're looking at them being just so hot. What, they've played nine playoff games so far? Um, eight and one. They're going to go in with the, against the Celtics, and they definitely have the ability to beat them. I mean, we're going to see what happens here, but obviously Miami and Boston were both just amazing during the playoffs, and Boston did get the harder matchup against, well, I don't know. I feel like the Bucks are a really good team, and the Heat are a really good team, and not necessarily that the Heat are a better team overall when you look at every single game, which makes sense because the Bucks had a better record, but that the Heat were just built to beat the Bucks. I don't even think that was the plan. I just think that's how it worked out. Yeah, well, it's interesting to see because I think there's a trend going on in the NBA where teams, that, like, it's definitely been a thing where you've gone into deeper statistics, those metrics, and obviously you try to take all the data that you have, but the vast majority of data that they have is regular season. And we've seen like year after year that there are certain teams that are great in the regular season that kind of just fall off in the playoffs. And so I wonder if these like system teams that have a superstar and then just build in a really talented team around them, like the Bucks, like the Rockets, if you're going to see them keep getting lots of wins in the regular season but then when it comes to playoff time it's just kind of a different game you you need to rely a little bit more on your stars to be able to go and take over a game and coaches they have seven games to analyze your system and learn how to break it down so in a seven game series it might, it's probably a disadvantage to be a, one of those like just locked in system teams uh, and because then you've been doing that all season, and then if you have to make a last-minute adjustment, uh, it's just not going to work out as well for your team, unless you have a lot of really high IQ, really talented players. Since you had the Hawks, um, however many seasons back, who were the number one seed, and did well for a couple of years, but they just couldn't make it anywhere in the playoffs. Um, and now you're looking at, I kind of feel like Denver was that team, but they have done okay in the playoffs the last two years. Like they, their biggest issue is not being able to come in and like take down the first round. So once they're able to do better in the first round, I think that they really are formidable. And Jamal Murray has come out to just be a superstar. Um, so I'm, I totally get what you're saying where you see these amazing teams during the regular season that just can't pull it off. And I think it's, Easier to see that in the Eastern Conference than the Western Conference, just because of how deep the Western Conference is, where, you know, when you have Portland having close game with close games with the Lakers, that's not something that's shocking you. But when you have Orlando beat the Bucks in the first game, that one was a really big surprise. Yeah, and but like you like the Lakers, they're not a system team at all. Like, obviously, the two main guys are Anthony Davis, LeBron James. And both of those guys, they can play in pretty much any system. So you can switch it up all the time. And then they have some role players that have been around the league for a long time and are really smart basketball players, even though they're they're not as good as they once were or 
at, or maybe just not value, as valued as they once were, but they have like Rondo, Dwight Howard, and they have other role players who know what they're doing. So that's a awesome team when you have a good coach combined with that kind of talent. You can switch stuff up every night and it's still going to be awesome for you. But yeah, it's like it's tough for the Bucks when really all they have is Giannis and a bunch of shooters. And so there's not a whole ton you can mix up there. Remind me, Giannis has one year left on his contract, right? So he's still going to be with the Bucks for this next short season and then he'll be a free agent. Yeah, so the he um the Bucks are going to sign him to an extension this offseason. Um, word on the street is that Giannis isn't going to take it and just wait out the season. So that's going to put the Bucks in the hot seat to either get him a championship this season or trade him before the trade deadline so they don't lose everything when the, when if he leaves. So basically, I mean, he need I don't think that he needs to win a championship. I just think he needs to get there. I think he needs to get to the NBA um you know, get to that final series because they just haven't been able to do that. And if they get there, it's a lot more like of a debate that he could stay and he could see them getting there again. But I'm interested to see where he'd go. I mean, I've heard a lot about Miami and Miami having Giannis and having Jimmy Butler would just kind of add on and bring another super team down there to South beach. Yeah, that it, it's really interesting to think of different places that Giannis could go because for the longest time, he was just uh, that young kid who showed a ton of potential, uh, but we didn't really know what he could do. Uh, Jason Kidd ran him at point guard for most of his career. He's been at small forward. Right now he's at power forward. Uh, And so we've seen a few years of Giannis really being dominant, Uh, but that's been in a system where the whole team is built around him. So I think a lot of fans like just see Giannis as a superstar, so he'll fit anywhere, but it's interesting to see or think about what kind of teams will he fit best with? What ki- what kind of talent do you need with him to mesh with? Like, I was just talking about how you don't want a system around one player, or at least how most teams like that haven't seen a ton of success. But you still need to know what kind of players to fit around them. Like players like Luka and LeBron, you know you want to have a lot of shooters on the roster because that's kind of how they work. They're both really good at getting inside, getting those mid-range shots. They can both shoot the three, but one of their strongest points is distributing the ball. So if they can drive and then pass out to an open three, that gives you a lot more options on offense. So, well, it's like Giannis, he's not quite that great passer. He's more of like dominant in the paint. So it's interesting to like coaches will have to try to figure out what kind of rosters will fit with Giannis, especially when you're trying to pair him up with another superstar like Jimmy Butler. And whenever you're in the paint a lot or in the mid-range a lot, I do think you need to be able to pass out. And that was one thing that Donovan worked on that led to the Jazz being a lot more successful, I felt like, against the Nuggets, where when he got inside the paint, he would look to kick it out a lot more. And so by being able to draw that attention inward and kick it outward, it creates essentially what is the NBA today, especially if you're able to get an open corner three look where it gives you a lot better of a chance of getting 
I mean, however many feet closer to the hoop, you're like three, four feet closer. And so that's why the percentage on an open look from there is so much higher than a percentage on any other look from three. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, even going back to when Shaq was playing, that was one of his skills that um, most people overlooked is like when when Shaq was in his like MVP seasons and his prime Every, like the whole team would have to come to defend him when he was in the paint because no single person could guard him. So Shaq learned that it's a lot harder to score when three people are guarding you, but it's really easy to get points when three people come and then you can just pass it out. So like Shaq got a surprising amount of assists for a big man in the days that he was playing. And looking at the success of Boston last night beating Toronto, what I saw them doing was running their offense in the in the last half of the fourth quarter. Um, when Toronto against Boston just kind of kept doing one-on-one opportunities for like 15 seconds in the clock. So yes, Boston had good defense, but they didn't have to guard the pass as much and they weren't moving around as much. The rota- there wasn't really rotation so that they, they weren't tired and they had who they wanted on who. Like the final shot of that game was I mean, I love Fred Van Vliet, but it was absolutely horrendous. I don't remember who you had on him, but it was someone who had at least like a foot. You're trying to get a three-pointer off, and you didn't try to run any switches. Well, I'm sure they tried. But like the best way to switch at that point when you can't get a switch is to pass and get something else worked out. So throwing up a ball, a shot over someone who you have no hope of getting the ball over, I mean, it's not going to go in and while there's so many other things you can nitpick, but that offensive play at the end was just atrocious. Yeah, or at least just call for someone to screen for you, and that will give you a little room. It can get you dribbling so that you're kind of in your rhythm. And I don't know about you, but like for me, when I dribble the ball, it's a lot easier to hit the jump shot because I'm kind of more in a rhythm. Uh, Catch and shoot is a little bit more difficult, um, unless it's like, unless you're really like, like... Dribbling, I can I can start hitting the shots immediately. Catch and shoot, I have to warm up a while. Uh, so, like I w- I was watching that play and I was just waiting for the pick to come and it never came. And then he shot an awful shot. And I mean that was what you really missed by not having Kyle Lowry there. I do feel like that challenge was at towards the end by Nick Nurse was a good challenge in the sense that yes he had that was your star sixth foul and you really wanted him on the court, but bad in the sense that. You know, if you needed to advance the ball a second time, you didn't have it. And I think kind of the epitome of that game, well, Toronto did hustle. You know, when you had um, Jason Tatum sky in from the three-point line for the offensive board after the two missed free throws. I mean, at that point, you could just really tell who wanted the game. Yeah, It was a two-point game with like over 30 seconds left, and that was awesome. And then he skies in, gets fouled, and makes it a three-point game. And in the end, you still couldn't capitalize off of that. But that being a two-point game is so different than that being a three-point game where you feel like you can drive, go to the hoop, tie it up, and then let them have the last possession and look to it in overtime. Yeah, the box out in that play was super lazy. He just ran to the rim instead of boxing out Tatum. Which if he just, instead of running to the rim, just kind of pivoted and got in front of him, the game might have turned out differently. But it was interesting, like, so watching the Celtics on the offensive side, they were getting a lot of really good shots, 
uh, Jalen Brown had a lot of open shots. Kemba was getting a lot of open shots, and they just weren't really falling, um, which I don't know. Sometimes that happens. Like the offense is working, the shots just weren't falling. But Jason Tatum was on fire. And so it was interesting to watch the Raptors' defense is um, kind of towards the end of the third quarter. I think I started seeing this. It might have started happening sooner, and I just didn't realize it. But they had a guy, and his whole purpose was just make sure Jason Tatum doesn't get the ball. And if he does get the ball, make sure it's a bad position for him to shoot or drive so that he has to pass out. Which he did a good job at because Tatum wasn't getting like a lot of touches. Um, once he once he hit a few threes in the second half, but um, it must, like obviously it made it tough enough on the other four guys to have someone who wasn't really able to come and help on defense if they needed it. So like that just shows that if you have a star who is on fire, that can be the whole difference for your team. Like because it messes up the whole other team's defense because they just have to focus so much on one guy. And then when you're the Celtics and you're so talented that you have other guys that can hit shots and make their own offense, then you're kind of lost when one player is on fire, like unless you have a really awesome team defense. Yeah, and I mean, Toronto, I, Toronto just couldn't handle, like Toronto didn't have the size to handle Boston. And Thice on Boston, from what I saw the last couple games that I watched, was just so great at cleaning up the board, cleaning up the boards and just getting them right back in there. Like he was very pivotal in these wins. So, you know, I haven't actually watched my, I mean, I watched Miami against the Bucks, so I'm excited to see where they face off. But overall, this is just a series. I don't think anyone expected at the beginning of the season and is going to be super exciting to watch. Um, Next week, we'll hopefully get to have previewed a couple games from the Western Conference and talk a bit about who we're seeing there. I think everyone's expecting the Lakers um, and the Clippers, but, you know, crazier things have happened. Yeah, it, it'll it be good. Um, I'm really excited for the East. I feel like that's more exciting than the West. Um, I, it might be a different story if um, we weren't in the bubble and we could play with fans and then you just get up to seven straight games in L.A., and the only difference is really what it is in the bubble um, with the difference in court. That'd be kind of a unique series. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's been good basketball. Um, the the Celtics have played exciting. The Heat have really exceeded expectations. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll come back with more Western Conference preview. Like we would have done more if uh, the Clippers had won last night, but they didn't, so we can't officially say that they made it. So uh, tune in next week, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Western Conference, and maybe we'll get our finals predictions now that we have only four teams to choose from. And please remember to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us. That really helps out just making sure that other people can find us. So thanks so much. This has been another episode of Called Bank. <laughs>